Hey, welcome into Positive Light. We're bringing a positive influence into this world and into your life. And hi, I'm Bob Miles. And today's episode is going to be on judging others. And out of Matthew 7, it says, Do not judge or you will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? And Rick Warren writes, Stop passing judgment. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. From James 2, 12, and 13. As followers of Jesus, we live in a constant tension. On one hand, we want to honor God and do what He wants. On the other hand, everything in our world is directly opposed to God. Life in the kingdom of God is at odds with the ways of the world. You are going to see many things that disagree with your values and, more importantly, with God's values. How do you respond? Unfortunately, too many Christians respond by passing judgment on others. James tells us that if we judge others without showing mercy, then God will not show mercy to us. God desires mercy over judgment. You can avoid being judgmental by telling the truth with gentleness. You can tell someone that disobeying God will lead to negative consequences in a way that doesn't pass judgment on them. You become judgmental when you take the truth and hold it over people's heads in order to make yourself feel superior. We are called to tell the truth to help people, not to harm them or put them down. You can disagree with someone without being disagreeable. Even if you are right about something, being rude about it puts you in the wrong. Being judgmental, expecting an unbeliever to act like a believer, doesn't make sense. The Bible says people can't act the way God wants them to act until they invite Jesus into their lives and accept his power to change their ways. You will be able to stop passing judgment on others when you remember that everyone is accountable to God. That means they aren't accountable to you. But remember, you are accountable to stop passing judgment on others. Jesus says, do not judge others and God will not judge you. Do not condemn others, and God will not condemn you. Forgive others, and God will forgive you, out of Luke 6.37. It's hard to be judgmental when you're trying to listen with compassion, honesty, sincerity, and fairness. James 1.19 says, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Listen first before you judge. One time, the Pharisees were trying to judge Jesus without letting him have a say or explain himself. They didn't want to hear his side of the story. But Nicodemus, one of the Pharisees, spoke up and said, According to our law, we cannot condemn people before hearing them and finding out what they have done out of John 7:51. How many times have you judged someone, your child, your spouse, your neighbor, your enemy, without listening to their story? Have you found yourself treating someone the same way the Pharisees treated Jesus? When you feel the urge to judge someone, stop and take a breath. Hold that breath if you need to. If that's what it takes for you to listen before you speak. If you don't listen first, you are committing the sin of judging others. Do you think something needs to come to light in someone's life? That thing probably is not yours to expose. Let God take care of it. Your job is to listen first 
Try to understand before judging someone's struggle. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Listen in love and let God be the judge. So God doesn't want us to judge another, right? If the answer is yes, then why should we judge those who do things contrary to what the Bible says? How can we as humans pass judgment? Isn't that God's job? Great questions. Isn't it true that we all hate being judged by another? So what does the Bible say about judging? Jesus talks about judgmental, and in the Sermon on the Mount, he calls those who engage in being judgmental hypocrites. Those who think they can go around judging others out of pride while ignoring their own sins and shortcomings are reminded by Jesus to be very careful when he says, Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with this measure you use, it will be measured to you. Again, that's from Matthew 7, 1 and 2. Then come the famous passage where Jesus asks, How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Again, from Matthew 7, 4 and 5. God wants us to have humble hearts. That means that as Christ followers, we don't want to act superior to others or think of ourselves as better than others, especially among fellow children of God. No one should try to dominate anyone else or gain a superior position over another through put-downs and constant criticisms. On the surface of things, of course, there are many differences between people. Differences of ability, of appearance, of position, of education, of personality. But a humble-hearted person will see those simply as differences. He will view it as one of the signs of God's amazing grace that he has created such a wonderful diversity and variety among people. External differences don't really matter and should be disregarded. Paul the Apostle takes an interesting take on this. For anyone who feels they occupy a superior position or a stronger than another person, he gives the alternative to being judgmental. The alternative is to care for them and bear with them. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbor for his good. Out of Romans 15, 1 and 2. Rather than judge, God encourages us to love those who are worthy of judgment, who have clearly sinned. Another command from God that includes even a spiritual failures and sins is this one. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sin. 1 Peter 4 and 5. Now that's a great thought. Love sinners. That's what Jesus did for you and me. And that's what he calls on us to do for one another. Okay, that would seem to answer the question, except there are a few more things that the Bible says about this. The Bible distinguishes between being judgmental and exercising good judgment. And while the Bible does condemn being judgmental out of pride or hypocrisy, it also says that a humble-hearted Christian can exercise judgment. In fact, it encourages us to do so. Actually, Jesus himself often pronounced judgment on people. Check out what Jesus says to the Pharisees. For example, in Matthew 23, seven times he pronounced a woe to you, 
on the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. But Jesus never did this with the intent to elevate himself or lord it over someone else. It was always with the loving intent of getting someone to recognize their sin and get free from the trap Satan was laying for them. But someone might say, that's Jesus, he's God, he can see into our hearts. If he pronounces judgment on someone, fair enough, but that's not something we should do. I love the humility that admits that our ability to know all the facts are limited. That's something we should understand and remember at all times. Too often we are tempted to pronounce a hair-trigger judgment on a person based entirely on the outward appearance of things. But on the other hand, there is a big difference between being judgmental and exercising judgment. There is a place for exercising judgment in a humble fashion and in a God-pleasing way. The latter is what Jesus calls making a right judgment. In John 7, stop judging by mere appearance and make a right judgment out of John 7:24. Perhaps when Jesus said this, he was simply recalling something the Jews had already been taught from the book of Proverbs, where exercising good judgment is actually portrayed as a way to help others. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up for the judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy, from Proverbs 31, 8, 9. Actually, if you read the entire book of Proverbs, you will find many, many passages in which you will be encouraged to gain wisdom and exercise good judgment in all your interactions with people. In fact, I try to read of a proverb every morning. There's 31 proverbs, which is basically one proverb per day for the month. Intriguingly, when Jesus is asked the question, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He actually commands the church to exercise and pronounce judgment to help a sinner leave his way of sin. Ultimately saying, and if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Out of Matthew 18, 17, and 18. And later on in Matthew, there is the parable of the lost sheep, where Jesus once again commands us not to engage in judgment. See that you do not look down on these little ones. And he asks this question, What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep, and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go look for the one that has wandered off? Jesus loves the lost. If that means pronouncing judgment in order to shake a person up and find them again, he will do it. And he encourages us to do the same. Check out Peter's Pentecost sermon in Acts 2, or Paul's recommendation about a sinner in 1 Corinthians 5. And you'll see other examples of church leaders and church exercising and pronouncing judgment in order to reclaim wandering, wavering brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul sums up this approach by encouraging believers to be careful who they hang out with. We can be misled, he says, but again, notice his intent, his desire to reclaim a brother or sister to the faith. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning, for there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame from 1 Corinthians 15, 33 and 34. So here's the Bible's answer to the question, can a Christian judge others? 
God doesn't want us to be pridefully or hypocritically judgmental. He wants us to humbly recognize we have planks in our own eye as we look at the splinter in the eye of others. At the same time, he encourages the use of good judgment in our interactions with others, exercising and even publicly proclaiming judgment in cases where you can help reclaim someone who is wandering away from God's love and the true life God wants to give him in Christ. So next, I would like to play a song for you, and it's called We Worship You by Tommy and Eileen Walker. And here it is.
Hey, what a great song by Tommy and Eileen Walker. And here's what Tommy said regarding this song. He said this song was written out of the thought that while we do worship God because of his amazing love and mighty deeds, we ultimately worship him simply because he is God. Being God is the position he holds. He is the uncreated one. He is the initiator and maker of all that there is. We are the created ones and he is the creator. Colossians tells us that all things were made by him and for him. He is the one who was and is and is to come. He is the holy judge of all. Not only is this unspeakably sobering news, but it is also glorious news. It means that God of all wisdom and power is in control, and his decisions are governed by his love and grace for everyone who chooses to follow him. So let us humble ourselves in reverent awe before this holy God today. Let us give him his rightful place in our lives as the only worthy one, creator, ruler, judge, king, and friend. As you hear these scriptures, I pray that they will alert us to come under his sovereign loving authority once again. May they comfort us with the fact that he is on his throne ruling and reigning on behalf of his glory and our good. And after you hear these scriptures, I do encourage you to worship him. From Exodus 3.14, I am who I am. And from Psalm 90 verse 2, Before the mountains were brought forth, or even you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting you are God. From Psalm 47.2, For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is the great King of all the earth. 1 Timothy 6.15 and 16, God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. And from Revelations 1.8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. From Luke 6, 37-38. What did Jesus mean by do not judge? Interestingly, other rabbis of Jesus' time taught ideas close to this concept of do not judge, with the adage that said judge every person on favorable terms, and a parable was told about this idea. A man went to work on a farm for three years. At the end, he went to his employer and requested his wages. The farm owner said to him, I have no money. So he said to him, Well, give me some of the crops I've helped grow. To which he replied, I have none. He then asked to be given some sheep, and the farmer told him again that he had nothing to give him. So he gathered up his belongings and went home with a sorrowful heart. A few days later, his employer brought him all his wages with three carts of gifts. The farm owner said to him, When I told you I had no money, what did you think? He said, I thought you might have lost it in some bad business. Then he said, 
What did you think when I said I had no crops? He said, I thought perhaps they release from others. He then said, what did you think when I said I had no animals? And the man said, I thought that you may have promised them to the temple. The farmer answered, you are right. I had dedicated all my possessions to the Lord because my son wouldn't study the scripture. But yesterday I was absolved of the vow so that now I can pay you. As for you, you have judged me favorably. May the Lord judge you favorably. This story has elements in it of not condemning another, and also a parallel of, for, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Could this be the gist of what Jesus is saying? If the idea to judge other favorably is also applied, it is impossible to have a critical or cynical spirit towards others. It is difficult even to remain angry or bear a grudge against someone once you start thinking of what might have motivated them to do whatever you are upset about. It is a lot easier to reach out in love when we let God judge other people's motivation and not to do it ourselves. Jesus saying, do not judge, becomes the best wisdom for any situation when we know that people are sinful and may have wrong motivations but only God knows their heart. So next I'd like to read you a story, and it's called The Dirty Laundry, a story about judging others. A young couple moved into a new neighborhood. The next morning, while they were eating breakfast, a young woman saw her neighbor hanging the washing outside. That laundry is not very clean. She doesn't know how to wash correctly. Perhaps she needs better laundry soap. Her husband looked on, remaining silent. Every time her neighbor hung her washing out to dry, the young woman made the same comments. A month later, the woman was surprised to see a nice clean wash on the line and said to her husband, Look, she finally learned how to wash correctly. I wonder who taught her this. The husband replied, I got up early this morning and cleaned our windows. And so it is with life. What we see when watching others depends on the clarity of the window through which we look. So don't be too quick to judge others, especially if your perspective of life is clouded by anger, jealousy, negativity, or unfulfilled desires. I've been asked more than once, is this the beginning or the end of the world? It may appear so if you simply look around at what's taking place. As of today, there are over 3 million worldwide COVID cases, nearly a quarter of a million global deaths, wildfires, earthquakes, volcanic activity, and tsunamis, not to mention millions of unemployed in the U.S., even though there's plenty of jobs, and beginning of a mass starvation globally. It seems the world is collapsing. So is this the beginning of the end? I've read and have had several articles, blogs, and sermons by prominent Christian ministers saying as much. So let me answer that question the way the Bible would. Yes, the world is ending, but not today. This isn't the end of the world. Although I get it, I know for many it may feel that way. Perhaps in some ways your world is ending, or at least your way of living. Please hear this statement. You will get through this. As we are seeing in Asia and parts of Europe, things are getting better. COVID-19 will pass. Whether it be quickly or we must endure for a time, we will overcome. 
But there is a day coming in our future. No one knows the day or hour. The world will come to an end. The Bible talks about a time called the Great Tribulation that lasts for seven years and begins with the unveiling of the Antichrist and ends with the return of the one and only Jesus Christ. The scripture do tell us that during that time there will be earthquakes, viruses, crazy amounts of violence. I don't know if we're living in that time today. And if it's not, then it's coming. But you need not fear that day. Jesus has made a way for you to be saved. Do you know Jesus? You can, and that's his desire. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. From John 3.16 So here's what you need to know. God loves you. He loves you so much, in fact, that he sent his one and only Son to this earth to be born of a virgin to live in a sinless life and to go to the cross to die and rise again on the third day to give you forgiveness of sins. So Billy Graham writes, A God of justice, what joy there is for anyone whose sins are no longer counted against him by the Lord, from Romans 4.8. So Billy writes, A number of years ago, I was stopped for driving too fast in a speed zone, and in the courtroom I pleaded guilty. The judge was not only friendly, but embarrassed for me to be in his court. The fine was $10. If he had let me go free, it would have been inconsistent with justice. The penalty had to be paid either by me or someone else. Judgment is consistent with love. A God of love must be a God of justice. It is because God loves that he is just. His justice balances his love and makes his acts of both love and justice meaningful. God cannot consistently love men if he did not provide for the judgment of evildoers. His punishment of the evildoer and his separation of the righteous is a manifestation of God's great love. We must always look at the cross on the dark background of judgment. It was because God's love for man was so intense that he gave his son so that man would not have to face judgment. So I am going to end today's episode on an audio clip by Billy Graham on what is sin. Are all sins equal in God's eyes? And here it is. In the midst of the pessimism and the gloom and the frustration of this present hour, there's only one hope. And that hope was expressed by Jesus Christ when he said, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Now the Lord is coming, Christ is coming, and the temptation of many Christians is to say, I'm going to sit down and take it easy and wait for the coming of the Lord. Well, I want to tell you, when he comes, you may be left behind. You remember the five foolish virgins in the story Jesus told about? They thought the Lord had waited and waited and waited, and they got a little tired. The oil in their lamps was gone. When he came, they were left behind. The Bible says, Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, finds so doing. If I knew that Christ was coming tomorrow, do you know what I'd do? I'd do just what I'm doing today. 
We ought to live every day just as though the Lord's coming. You ought to have your bags packed and ready. You ought to not have your roots too deep. You ought to not have too big a bank account to worry about. That's the reason the Bible says we're to give to the poor and we're to give to the church and we're to give to Christian work. We're to be stewards. Be packed and ready. Ready to go. Working. Winning others to Christ. Witnessing for Christ. Doing all we can to help our neighbor. And above all, loving. Loving. So that does bring an end of our episode today. And my closing prayer is always that God blesses the journey you're on with Him and that you embrace that path. So next week's episode is going to be on relaxing in God's presence. So you can connect with me at positivelightpodcast at gmail.com. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Anywhere you download your podcast, you can get Positive Life for free. So I hope everybody had a great week. God bless, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you.